Welcome in to the Paul Kuharski podcast. I am Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. And I like to mention my name three times real fast at the beginning of the podcast. It's like a good luck charm, even though I don't believe really in good luck or anything like that. I talk about the Tennessee Titans and uh, I've got a website where I write about the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I've got two other people who write about the Tennessee Titans and do so very well. Blake Bettingfield, the former scout of the Tennessee Titans, who writes game previews and reviews from a scouting perspective. And Mike Herndon, uh, excellent guy with an analytical perspective, um, who writes about them as well. And they are two more reasons why you should be a member of the site. Let's dive right into some issues at hand for the Tennessee Titans riding a three-game losing streak as they go to Los Angeles for the first time to face the Chargers. This franchise, since it's been in Tennessee, has never beaten the Chargers on the road. All of those games were in San Diego, except a couple of years ago when it was in London. Um, and the Titans went for a two-point conversion at the end of the game and failed um, and accepted a loss there with Mike Rabel as he left the press conference room uh, reviewing that game, shouting a very loud expletive that begins with the letter F. Uh, Mike Vrabel was angry then, and I wondered about how angry Mike Vrabel is now. Um, three consecutive losses, two of them, you know, pretty understandable. Uh, a shorthanded injured team losing the Cincinnati Bengals, the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year with an excellent quarterback in Joe Burrow that's really uh, found its footing and is playing very good football at Philadelphia against the very best team in football um, got blown out. But to come home and then lose the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had not won in Nashville since um, 2013, was a big disappointment and certainly set this team on uh, continued a bad course. And now, uh, you know, the Chargers just beat Miami. Um, they're just on the outside of looking in for the playoffs the game, quite frankly, means more to them than it does to the Titans. Um, they're healthier. They've got a better quarterback. Um, they're at home, et cetera, et cetera. I wondered about Vrabel, who is a very teacherly coach and is very consistent. And I think as a player probably didn't respond particularly well, or maybe he responded well to it, but I don't imagine he needed to be yelled at. So smart guy understood football. Well, um, needed to be, you know, told what to do, coached what to do, taught what to do, corrected on mistakes that were made, um, shown what to do, and then, then could proceed um, with his job. And, he certainly approaches things with the Titans like that on a regular basis. But I've been very curious as this losing streak has mounted, and particularly after the Jaguars game, if he is compelled at all to change his, uh, his methods. And I, I don't know how much yelling or, or uh, change of approach or how much that's part of his approach in the meeting rooms with this team as it is. I've never really explored this avenue with him before. Um, I remember having a conversation when I covered the AFC South for ESPN.com with Tony Dungy, 
who kind of, you know, was the mellowest coach ever. I don't, I don't think that Tony Dungy ever really raised his voice. He just didn't, didn't believe in that. Now he played for Chuck Knoll um, and he talked about being taught. And I had this conversation with him once upon a time and he just didn't think that, that yelling and anger served him well didn't serve him well when he played and he didn't think it would serve his players well. So I asked around about that this week because I was curious how Vrabel changes. And he said, you know, he's tried a lot of different methods and that you need to vary your methods to keep things interesting and to keep guys interested. But ultimately he said, you know, I think that we all, I'm quoting him now. I think that we all understand that this is professional football. You have to be consistent. I try to coach the action and not the result. I really do. Whether we win or lose, I try to coach things that come up in the game that have to be improved. Things that I recognize that we did well. What I mean is if you give up contain and something and you make a play, you still have to recognize, hey, the next time that's going to be a huge game the quarterback that can scramble is going to be out of there. There's an element to making a play, but sometimes just because the play was favorable, you may not have necessarily done your job. I think that's a great example of the kind of things that, that Mike Vrabel looks for. Okay. We had success here. Okay. What you did worked here and it was a plus technically, but Here's the reasons that there were some problems with this play. Here's what could have happened. Here's what on the offensive side they're saying should have happened as they look at this film. And here's what might happen next time. And so next time we want to do it this way to prevent the worst, a worse scenario from unfolding. And so I took this, this question of Rabel's anger to a couple players. I got a very interesting response. First, from Ryan Tannehill. Uh, yeah, he gets angry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think I've seen a lot of growth, growth in him, and um, yeah, his his body language and demeanor has been um, has been good. So, um, you know, he kind of sets the tone with with how everything goes. People look to him just being in the position he is a lot, like they look to me, uh, and I think he's conscious of that. So, seen a lot of growth from him in that area, and. Um, positivity, you know, when, when things haven't been going well, and I think it makes a big impact on how our guys respond inside. The anger, so the anger hasn't come out so much during these three games? <laughs> at, at least not into a, uh, into a visible way. Obviously, he's pissed. Everyone's pissed, right? When, when things aren't going well, um, you put so much time and effort and, and energy into it, uh, everyone gets angry, right? And I think it's how you, you take a second, you are angry, but then you're able to, to reel it back in and focus on making the corrections as opposed to just being you know, ticked off at everything that's happening. So, you know, that goes to everybody, not just him, not just me, but everyone on our team. You know, there's going to be mistakes. You're allowed to, to get, you know, pissed off for a second there, but uh, got to be able to, to reel it back in and channel that energy in a good way. I thought it was interesting there that Tannehill said, I've seen a lot of growth from him. I, I mean, I think that says something about a coach that a player can talk about a coach that way, you know, that, that a player doesn't fear being seen as, as condescending or judgy or anything like that. When he's talking about seeing growth from his coach, you know, there are a lot of environments where you'd fear the coach more 
or worry about saying something like that. Tannehill was completely loose. I mean, he's laughing at the beginning of that clip about seeing Vrabel angry, which he certainly has. But, um, you know, I think that's an informative answer um, where he's saying he's seen um, his coach evolve in terms of how he deals with some of those emotions. Now, I know that you are not likely a big fan of Jeff Swain. Jeff Swain certainly serves a purpose on this team, and you shouldn't be upset with Jeff Swain that he doesn't catch the ball better, that he isn't better at yards after the catch. I mean, it would be ideal if the Titans had a guy who was a well-rounded tight end. They don't. Uh, you know, Chig and Hooper are limited in what they can do in terms of blocking, and Swain is limited in what he can do in terms of catching and certainly what he could do after he catches the ball. But uh, Jeff Swaim is a smart guy, uh, underused, quite frankly, by people like me. Um, and so I, I, I knew that he would be good on this um, point. And so I wanted to share, you know, a little bit more of a conversation that I had um, with Swaim this, this week when I asked him what Angry Variable is, is like. What's, what's Angry Variable like? <laughs> uh, angry Vrabel. I don't know. It's uh, I don't know if it's a whole lot different from like annoyed Vrabel. You know, like there's a lot of shades there, and I'm not sure I can pick which one's which. You know, um, what's to hear the message of the noise? You know, but uh, no, he he don't he don't get too pissed too often. You know, he's a pretty level-headed guy. Um, he's a former player too, man. So he gets like you know how how things are perceived from a player's, you know, from my pers perspective. Um, and he keeps it pretty level-headed, you know, like everyone has their snap reaction to things. And, you know, you could probably ask him what's pissed off Jeff like, and it's not, it's not an awesome thing, but now he does a pretty good job of keeping it, of keeping it, of keeping his cool and um, like emphasizing a point with some, with some juice. Cause like you need that kind of juice. But uh, I don't know if I've seen him like lose it. You know, he's probably seen me lose it a couple times, but I'm not sure that I've seen him lose it quite yet. Kevin said, you know, I, I mean, obviously hasn't had too many occasions to lose it because you guys have been good yeah. for a long time. Three-game losing streak hasn't happened since his fifth, sixth, seventh game of his first year. Mm -hmm. But he knew, Kevin said, coming into Monday's meeting, you know that's not going to be yeah. a, a, a good one. But you, you make it sound like I, like I was thinking. He's pretty teacherly and consistent. Do you find it's matter that of fact, man. That? It's just a matter of fact. Like you, There's no need to sit there and scream and yell when you can just point out, here, here's what we did good, here's what we didn't do well, and here's what those things led to. So I think his approach has been pretty good about that. Like, what's the sense in screaming and yelling? Unless you get the idea that you guys aren't motivated, and we're clearly motivated. So, like that to me, that's like, if, 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 if you guys are motivated, which we are, then you just point out what needs to be corrected and we'll, we'll go to work at it, man. So you haven't seen it much? Nah, he don't do a lot of screaming, you know, that's not him. You know, he's just matter of fact about things. And then um, the leadership on this team is like, you know, it resonates with everybody. We played enough ball, I played enough ball to know like what needs to be fixed. I don't need to be yelled at and he knows that. Like, just tell me what I need to do and I'm gonna I'm go work at it, you know? And, and when he maybe has a moment, it's that much more impactful because it's so rare? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I've, I've been around football long, you know, majority of my life actually and like, Guys just scream and yell. That stuff gets tuned out after a while. 
because it's just it just it's all white noise, you know. Um, it's the guys like that are direct and and authentic. Um, that authenticity, man, it really like speaks more than anything else. So if you know a guy's being real and he's being truthful, then you'll listen, you know. And, and he does a good job of being being real. So emphasizing a point with some juice. I don't know that I've seen him lose it just yet. The idea that it's just matter matter of fact. Here's what we did well. Here's what we didn't do well. What's the sense of screaming and yelling unless the team's unmotivated? Now, I thought the Titans looked, I don't want to say unmotivated, but they looked as bad, as unemotional, as um, distant, um, as out of the game against the Jaguars as I can remember them looking under Mike Vrabel. But I agree, it's not an unmotivated team. Mike Vrabel doesn't have to light a fire under this version of this team. And I don't know that since he formulated the culture, which probably, you know, was by the end of 2018 or certainly during 2019, that um, that he's had to do that. And so this idea that he's matter of, matter of fact about it, that it resonates with everybody, that he doesn't need to be yelled at, that they'll go to work at it, makes perfect sense. Um, and, and what Swain hits on here is what Tony Dungy hit on when I had that conversation back with him when I was covering the Colts. If, if, if somebody's yelling all of the time, if somebody's angry all the time, it turns into white noise. Um, and when somebody's direct and authentic, it speaks to them more. The guy who really shared the most about the idea that that Vrabel was in fact somewhat different after the Jaguars game was unsurprisingly Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard, um, well, let's hear from Kevin Byard first. I mean, you know, you drop three games straight, especially late in the year, you know, the urgency and the frustration is going to be there. Obviously, you know, Monday meeting wasn't the best meeting to be in. You know, you're watching the film, and, you know, it's bad plays out there. But that's his job to hold us accountable in that way. I don't care if it's me, if it's Ryan, if it's a guy that just got signed this week. Like, that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to get on the leaders. Because uh, you, can't, you can't just get on everybody else and don't get on the leaders. That's just not the way it goes. So uh, it's expected. And uh, like I said, that reverberates throughout this entire organization that, hey, the urgency is there. We can't, you know. It's, it's nut cutting time. That's kind of how I look at it. But he'll raise his voice. He'll, he'll give it to you guys and say for what sure. I mean, is. yeah, I mean, no Vrabel, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for sure. He raises his voice. He'd be upset, screaming or whatever it may be. I don't think he's just trying to be – it's not disrespectful or nothing like that. Yeah. But it's just it's just the way, you know, he has to be as a head coach when you're losing three games straight. Like, you know, I, I expected it. Like, you come in a meeting, like, oh, like, it's about to be – it's one of those meetings, you know. <laughs> is it rare? Uh, I mean, does it mostly correspond with the bad stretch or bad? Yeah, game? but like, yeah, I, I would say it's rare because, like I said, we haven't lost three games straight since his his first year here. So, I would say it's rare, but it's not rare for for Brabel to get on get on us, especially the leaders and things like that. When we're breaking down film, we having bad plays. Like, that's not rare at all. But uh, I haven't we haven't seen it in a little bit because, like I said, we've been on a, a pretty good stretch the past couple of years of winning games, and um, I think it, it was necessary though. Necessary. Is it dad angry or Hulk angry? 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know if it was either or. You know what I'm saying? It was like I said, I, I think it was just, you know, the head coach, you know, making a point that, hey, this is unacceptable. You know, we can't have this going forward. And I think that, you know, we and we understand that, you know, guys, we want to make plays. We want to go out there and, and try to win ball games, but it hasn't been working so far. So we have to get that corrected. So you just knew it's going to be one of those meetings. It was necessary. It wasn't dad angry or it wasn't Hulk angry. It just made it clear that what they did against the Jaguars was unacceptable. Now, now here's my big aside after, you know, kind of getting a sense of angry Vrabel. I, I don't know how much the Titans can do about it. I mean, they certainly can execute better than they executed. And a lot of what's going on, I wrote a story about their problems in the third quarter, particularly with the first drive of the third quarter. And they're all execution related. But when you fail to execute, particularly when you get in a rut and you fail to execute repeatedly, part of it's that you're not equipped to execute. And it goes back to something I've talked about in previous editions of this very podcast. Um, Sometimes when you're not equipped to execute, you're just not that skilled. Dennis Daly is not that skilled. He's not equipped to execute. Not equipped to execute. And some of these guys, the mistake makers, not equipped to execute particularly well. And look, you put some of the better um, players on the list. Kevin Byard had, you know, one of his worst games there. Couldn't cover Evan Ingram. Derrick Henry lost two fumbles. Now, Derrick Henry does not have good hands. He's worked to have better hands. A lot of people want to say he's become a, a you know, substantially better receiver. He's better at catching the passes they throw to him. Good running back receivers catch all kinds of passes while they're on the run. Derrick Henry's not that. Derrick Henry's never going to be that. Um, but Derrick Henry has to be able to catch a low snap if they're snapping the ball directly to him. Now, would I like it if, you know, maybe this is an example of the shortcomings of Todd Downing. If Todd Downing said, Ben Jones is snapping the ball low today and Ryan Tannehill's bending at the waist to field a lot of shotgun snaps. So maybe it's not the best thing to call that King cat to Henry because he's going to have to field a low snap. And I know he doesn't have the best hands for that. Sure. That'd be great. But, but Derek Henry is, you know, a Supreme athlete. He has got to be able to feel the damn snap execution first and foremost on the players, what they're executing, what they're being asked to execute. Not great. Go read that third down story. Uh, sorry. Third quarter story. Not very good. What they're doing in the third quarter, not very good. What they're doing in the, in the second half, but the, the first drive of the third quarter is particularly irksome and their details in that piece about it. Justin Herbert, is the fourth really good quarterback in a row that this team is going to see. And uh, we'll go further than that. You go back to Green Bay and count Aaron Rodgers. So you had Rodgers, Burrow, Hertz, Trevor Lawrence, who's ascending, 
and now Justin Herbert, who, you know, to me is on par in that list with Joe Burrow. Now I I'm going to confess, I've been big on the chargers for a couple of years, really big, too big chargers, completely capable of losing to the Titans. Don't get me wrong, but they're ascending while the Titans are descending right now. And this guy's arm is really terrific. Mike Vrabel. I think that arm talent is fantastic along with the ability to move and extend plays. I saw a stat where he had the most yardage outside the pocket the other night compared to any quarterback in the league. I think he had 150 yards outside the pocket, whether that's designed plays for him to get out there or he's getting out there himself on third down and looking to throw, but can run. He can put it anywhere. It puts a lot of stress on you as guys start to uncover, whether that's out in the field or in the red zone. This guy is deadly. The Titans are back to giving up X plays. The, um, the Chargers obviously have dangerous people, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, chief amongst them. Austin Eckler has 93 catches. It's an extension of their run game, which is not very good. 93 catches. 93 catches. Titans, top receivers. Woods, 38. Cooper, 32. Henry, 26. Burks, 25. They've got a guy with 98. They they throw it a lot more than they run it. So, um, Kevin Byard said that Justin Herbert has the best arm talent in the league. And he, he talked a lot about how the secondary really has to stay honest here in terms of even on a rollout, even on a rollout, you can't lean to the side of the field Herbert's going to because he can beat you back across the field. Here's Byard again. Yeah, I mean, as a safety, you know, even when those boots, you know, you have to really be careful of rolling too far to that side he's booting on because he'll just line up and just throw the ball 60, 70 yards the other way. So just being disciplined in our coverage, if we have to be deep, be deeper than the deepest. Don't get too caught up on, you know, underneath stuff. This is a passing team. They're going to pass the ball. So we're not really getting too caught up on trying to panic drop, worry about the run and then run it back. No, let's stay deep. They run the ball, they'll run the ball. But, you no, know, we got to worry about stopping the pass first. And top that off with Shane Bowen's glowing review of Austin Eckler as a receiver. Yeah, I mean, they they find him. I think he's got 93 catches on the year, which is incredible um, for a running back. I think anytime time a quarterback feels that he's got him, he's going to take give it to him, you know, and they use him in the screen game. They use him in check downs, and he's, he's unique in the fact that he uh, he's extremely good after the catch. He makes guys miss, but at the same time, he's – He's a little bit stockier build. He's powerful, so he can kind of lower his shoulder and get some extra yards that way. But he's a viable option on every down in the passing game for them. Titans defense has its hands full. And um, is this defense going to be back to, to full steam? I think Danico Autry with the knee, limited on Wednesday, limited on Thursday. I'm recording Thursday night. I would think it'd be another week for Autry. Maybe be a hell of a difference maker. Christian Fulton didn't practice Wednesday, Thursday with the groin. He's unlikely. It seems to me that's a dent in what they can do in the secondary. 
Trey Avery back to a full participant on Thursday. So seemingly uh, he'll be out of concussion protocol if he's not officially out already. Um, so that'll help. But uh, Amani Hooker didn't practice on Thursday with a knee. He was limited on Wednesday. They've got some issues in the uh, secondary. Terrence Mitchell limited with the hamstring both days. Um, they've got some problems in that secondary, and they're not rushing the passer very well. Jeffrey Simmons still, he was limited one day, didn't practice the second day with that ankle, which he says isn't a problem. But his coach says, you know, doesn't have him close to 100%. Um, a lot of difficulties going on there. And uh, it's a reason to be scared. Eckler, dangerous. They're going to miss David Long there. And we'll get to David Long in a couple minutes. But David Long was a guy who could have helped on Evan Ingram of the Jags. And David Long's a guy who could help on Austin Eckler. He's not going to be there. Um, and even if Zach Cunningham's activated out of his IR practice window, and he's been practicing this week, he's more the, 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 the thumper. Um, he's not great in space and Eckler is, is damn good in space. Um, so you got Monty Rice is the guy you need to excel in, in space and to be the David Long. And he's shown no indications of being the David Long. So uh, that's a problem. Titans are down to uh, pr provided that they activate um, the two guys who they, they uh, activate from IR, the two guys that they put in their practice windows this week. Um, they'll be down to one. That's Josh Thompson. No, Josh Thompson's already back. Forgive me. That's um, Zach Cunningham. And um, Zach Cunningham and Lonnie Johnson, another defensive back. So that'll get the Titans to seven. So I was presuming Elijah Molden was done when he made his second trip onto uh, IR. They've only got one activation left, and people are in a in a panic because they used one on Ola Adeni, um, who came back, played one game, sat one game, and got cut. Now, maybe they did screw themselves, but I think it's more likely Molden's out for the year and either Kyle Phillips, the receiver, who's got a hamstring issue dating back to late October, or Long, who just went on IR December 10th, are out for the year. Really be a big loss if it's Long. They've been living without Phillips. He'd be a nice boost, but one of those two guys is not coming back. Now, it's conceivable both of them aren't coming back. They really need Long back, and let's move on to Long. Long is uh, the athletic, fast, sideline-to-sideline -side linebacker. And this team has done a nice job of with mid-draft linebackers at this position. Avery Williamson to Jayon Brown to David Long. It looks now like the recycling of the position is stuck because Monty Rice has not shown any indications that he is comparable to those guys or will build on that string of players. He was a victim on an Evan Ingram TD and they missed him, uh, you know, missed long, as I said, very badly 
in that game. So David Long is in the last year of his contract. He's a guy the Titans need to keep. And I think, um, you know, this injury probably helps them keep him. He had a hamstring last year and he's got a hamstring again. Um, Blake Benningfield, I asked him for a comp and he gave me Eric Kendricks of the Vikings. Eric Kendricks is, I think, in the last year of a five-year, $50 million contract with the Vikings that came with $25 million guaranteed. There's no way the Titans can pay long that. And I don't think there's any way um, anybody could pay him that. He's not as good, uh, Blake doesn't think, as Matt Milano, and I don't think so either. He got four years, $41.5 million with 20 guaranteed in 2021. Avery Williamson, when he was done with the Titans, and this is several years ago already, three years, $22.5 million, 16 guaranteed in 2018 from the Jets. And that was a surprisingly big deal for Williamson. The Titans were fine with him taking that and going because they had Jayon Brown, who was up and coming. Now, when Jayon Brown reached the free agency in, in 2021, same timing as Matt Milano, some overambitious Titans fans thought he was comparable player. Milano got four for 41 and a half with 20 guaranteed. Jayon Brown stayed here for one year and $2 million. Now, he had uh, an injury issue. He was coming off of elbow, I believe. Suffered in the Ravens playoff game, if I'm not mistaken. And then in 2022, he did even worse and ended up going to the Raiders for one year, one and a quarter million dollars. So I think David Long is um, is valuable guy, but he's not like an outright game changer who should be making anything close to $10 million a year. You know, maybe more like, Seven, I'd put him at seven. Um, and if they could get him for seven, I'd uh, I'd be comfortable, you know, around there if they can make that work with the salary cap. Now we've got to see what a new GM thinks of him in conjunction with Rabel and what the cap allows. But look, if you let David Long go, you have a hole at that position unless you really got a good feeling about Monty Rice and projection. And there'd be an unknown element there for sure, and not a lot behind him. I think he'd be better cast as a as a third. Um, and uh, Nate Davis, the other homegrown guy going into free agency after finishing his contract. Nate Davis, pretty good guard, and on this Titans team, you know, Ben Jones is an awfully good center, crafty, and all of that. Um, but Nate Davis, you know, the best young offensive lineman they've found in some time. And when you're talking about, you know, Petit Frere is kind of taking some cover because we've been talking so much about Dennis Daly and Aaron Brewer. Petit Frere's got growing to do. Daly's got to be replaced slash Lawan's got to be replaced at a $14 million savings that you could start shopping with for a veteran or use somewhere else while you draft a, a high left tackle. And I would think Brewer's got to be replaced at left guard, though they really like his smarts. They really like his smarts. Amy Adams Strunk was on the sideline. Before I get there, um, 
Mike Herndon wrote a great piece this week about uh, what kind of job this new general manager is coming into. Is it a rebuild? Is it a retooling? Um, and the choices the Titans have to make in deciding just to what degree they're going to rebuild this thing. Really in a good, all-encompassing piece that you should read. And you need to be a member of paulkuharski.com to read. $5.99 a month. Good Christmas present, by the way, for somebody. You can uh, subscribe, become a member under your name, and then send me a note. Change the email address or the username or the password, whatever you want. pkuharski at gmail.com. Um, really good piece by Herndon that you should read. And, uh, and Blake Bettingfield's scouting preview. Um, of the chargers will be up tomorrow and also i talked to javon curse to delaney walker to uh, neil o'donnell to uh, warren moon uh, who am i forgetting brad hopkins chris johnson were all in town at an event this week i was the only sports writer there um, and they all told me what they thought of this team o'donnell wants to see him spread it out Chris Johnson and Delaney Walker still baffled by the AJ Brown trade. Pretty outspoken about that. Hopkins needs to see the offensive line, get back to winning laterally. And uh, had quite a facial expression when I talked to him about Dennis Daly. Javon curse does not see the same Jeffrey Simmons and Warren moon still uh, has a lot of belief in Mike Vrabel uh, for details from all of those guys really getting into what they think about the current edition of the Tennessee Titans, you can uh, head over to paulkuharski.com. Worth your while, I assure you. Um, so to Amy Adams Strunk, who was on the sideline, obviously, as she is before every game, and she was uh, over near the Titans bench, which is where she generally hangs out during warmups. And she was standing with Ryan Cowden for a good while while I had eyes on her, um, snapped the photo. Um, Ryan in a snazzy blue suit, not the dark, dark blue, but a, a shade lighter, which I respect something a little different and necessarily the, the guy who's in charge of personnel now might, uh, you know, need to be talking to the, to the owner or certainly, uh, you know, his place in the pecking order now would, would put him in a spot where John Robinson would spend a lot of time. With uh, Amy Adams Strunk in that uh, situation and Ryan Cowden is following suit. But I did find it interesting. Um, and look, I, I'm no um, ass kisser. Uh, I'm not a diplomat. Um, it's had different effects on me at different stages of my career. Often not good, I admit. But I also think it's funny. And I tend to make fun of people when I see them smooching up. Uh, to the boss now nfl is a different world than the media world that i've lived in 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 my life um and i've not always had access to the the owner you know i've never had access to the owner of uh, gannett uh, the newspaper outlet i worked for the oakland tribune before that uh, or um espn or disney um or or cumulus um the radio network that uh that my station was a part of and i certainly would be uh 
deferential and reverential and respectful and all of that. Um, but those also would be one-time meetings, I imagine. I just found it amusing. And I like Monty Austin Ford and I like Brian Gardner, both who are in the Titans front office. But I was watching it unfold and they were kind of standing by. And, and and their spot too is near the bench area. It's not like they were out of position from where they usually would be um, pregame for the Jaguars. And maybe they say hello to Amy Adams Strunk after uh, as she heads towards the tunnel um, and finds her way up to her box before every game. Maybe they do. Um, but it was funny to me to watch them do so on, um, on Sunday because they're both, uh, you know, want to be in-house candidates for the job. Brian Gardner is, um, African-American and, uh, an interview for him would qualify as one of the two mandated interviews under the Rooney rule. Um, for the titans so and uh and then the photographer um who i'm uh who i partner up with with another outlet for home games angie flat it's funny i watched this whole thing unfold and then when she sent the dropbox link and i was filing through uh the pictures that she took she had a picture of this she had a picture of gardner uh, right before, right after he shook hands with her, you know, laughing with her as they started to walk with Austin Fort still in the frame and maybe Cowden. I don't know why. I just kind of found it amusing. David Beauclair, who writes for Sports Illustrated's uh, website, brought up a very interesting point, good friend of mine, that um, the Miss Amy um, title has been somewhat tamped down. And Miss Amy sounds like um, either, either an, uh, this is my interpretation, uh, grandmotherly or, uh, you know, what a, what a uh, kid being babysat for would call a teenager. Doesn't sound like the cutthroat woman firing uh, NFL general manager with what uh, five games left in the season. And there wasn't a lot of references to miss Amy while she was being discussed by Titans people um, in light of that move, which is a good thing. I, I mean, I understand it's the Southern way to, uh, to call people that way and that it's a respectful thing i also think it can be a little bit um i don't want to say disrespectful that's too strong a word but a little bit um too soft too soft for somebody that's running a multi-billion dollar company who uh, fired somebody who is making multi-billion dollar multi-million dollar draft picks and contract signings and putting together a, a roster that she wasn't satisfied with move on to injuries. We talked uh, a good deal about guys who are out and how it's um, 
hurt hurt this team um and long missing against ingram and they're going to miss him against eckler and the like and we'll go to kevin byard one more time who quite frankly is you know unquestionably the best talker on this team so i'm not ashamed to cut to multiple clips of him here but he had a good answer this week when he was asked about does he get excited in anticipation of guys returning from injured reserve or, you know, off the injury report when they miss a week or two. And I thought this was worth sharing. Kind of hard to do that. Cause it's feel like it's been like that all season. It's like somebody's returning to play. Somebody goes on IR or something like that. So uh, in the midst of all that, I just only can just focus on what I can do every single week to try to up my play and help this team out as much as I can uh, at every level of the defense. So uh, that's all I worry about. Obviously it'd be great to have all those guys back. I mean, we've had, you know, a lot of our starters go out on IR and, and get injured, but uh, it'd be great to have all those guys back, but not something I can really focus on. Cause if, if I get too excited and they practice all week and then they don't get activated, then I don't want to be riding that wave of, you know, emotions and things like that. So Kevin Byard can't ride, can't ride the wave of emotions expecting guys back. It's pretty smart. Not surprised that Kevin Byard has a smart take on that. He didn't want to be let down by anticipating somebody coming back and then not seeing them out there. Um, and, you know, hell, he's seen guys, uh, seen Randy Bullock, you know, suffer a warm-up injury and not not be able to do his job to the best of his abilities on a, on a given Sunday and not be able to kick off because uh, he hurt his calf. So it's a pretty smart approach by Mr. Byard. It's no mistake that he's uh, got some all pro credentials though. Again, coming off a bad game. I expect uh, if the Titans win at SoFi stadium, it'll be in part because Bayard bounces back. Well, I like to leave you with statistics at the conclusion of this fine podcast. And I've got three for you here. They're courtesy of inside edge. The Titans have targeted tight ends, 31% of the time since week 11, third highest in the league. They're up to 31%. The league average, 31% since week 11. The league average in that Spain's been 19%. That is a uh, more traditional Titans approach. Chig has certainly uh, helped raise that. They finally have delivered on their promise and, uh, Two weeks ago, four catches, which was his most. He had topped out at three prior to that. And then against the Jags, six. And you've got to love how hard it is to bring this guy down. Three and four people. Uh, and he's still driving the pile forward. Just terrific. Um, Austin Hooper getting the ball more as well. Justin Herbert has thrown for 1,243 passing yards since week 11. Same time span. That's the most among NFL quarterbacks. The most. Ahead of Mahomes, who's number two. Ahead of Burrow, who's number three. That is the three-pack of quarterbacks right there. Justin Herbert, most yardage since week 11. And... To Derrick Henry, who also has to key any kind of Titans return. And um, your Chargers don't play great run defense by any means. But they are playing better 
I think overall as, as a team. So I think their season long stats are not particularly indicative of who they are at this moment. That's why I like some of these inside edge stats that tell you stuff about since week 11 and, and stuff like that. The chargers overall rank 28th against the run. I should have pulled up their game by game, and I apologize that I did not. Derrick Henry has rushed for 347 yards in the first quarter this season, second most among NFL running backs. That is behind Josh Jacobs with 929 yards in the in the in the first quarter, and Nick Chubb 707. I hope I wrote that down right. But I'm pretty certain that I did. Hey, I've pointed you uh, to several stories you should read. I can't lay out any more of a trail for you. Um, I will be leaving for Los Angeles relatively late in the day on uh, Saturday and coming back late in the day on Sunday doing the red eye, flying there through Houston and flying back through Washington, D.C., Dulles um very quick turn to have brunch and take in a football game in los angeles probably wake up early sunday morning to watch the world cup final and then take a nap so i hope you have uh weekend plans that can match that and uh, i hope you get a better game than i'm anticipating i appreciate you listening uh very much and I appreciate uh, Vocal Productions for their work putting this thing out for me. Um, don't block the box and be sure to lock your locks. Until next time, I'm Paul Kuharski. Thanks very much for listening. Mm-hmm.